0: We've been thinking in session one about the heat, about the reality that um, at, any, at any moment of our lives, before the Lord Jesus returns, we are living through an age in which um, all kinds of pressure comes on us, our, um, under the um, judgment of God at human sinfulness, uh, the world uh, is broken, and damaged, and it doesn't work properly. And our hearts are still living out um, rebellion against him, Uh, which means that uh, we experience from all the other people that are doing that, we experience all kinds of difficulty and strain and so on. So, And we thought about the many different kinds of heat. We put up eight of them, but I'm sure you could think of more, um, that we're living through all the time in our lives. And then we thought about how we respond to that. And um, lest we lose sight of it, we do respond in a mixture of ways. God has been at work in our lives already, and, and there are some ways in which we respond um, full of faith and love and grace and truth, and we, we're beginning with each other. We, part of what we enjoy about church is that we're beginning to see in each other little reflections of Jesus already, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, But we also see, and we were thinking in our last session, about the the way that we respond um, with some thorns. Um, We thought about how, you know, when we notice that we're losing our temper or that we're um, uh, resentful at somebody or jealous or whatever it is, we thought about how um, easy it is to say to someone else or to say to ourselves, well, just stop it, just do something different. But then as we looked deeper into God's word, we discovered that um, that's not really addressing where the problem is, because the problem is not in the thorns, the problem is where the thorns come from, and that's my heart. And we've we've made this list of some pretty big things, Um, some pretty big things, some pretty big commitments that are going on in our hearts, some pretty big beliefs. And so the question we need to think about now as we come to our third session is, um, where do we go with this? Um, you know, if I, if I, one way of coping with this is to kind of cover it over. And as Veronica was saying, you know, we, we have these big ideas. Yeah, we know we're sinful, and um, uh, and in that kind of general sense, we're a Christian. We know that Christ forgives us. But actually, you know, what about the ways in which we keep revealing that in the little five minutes, lots of our day, and the drive to work? And and isn't it the case that you know, as we as we stop to think about those things, those ways we are, we um, we can feel pretty ashamed, and we can feel pretty hopeless, and we can. So we tend to just push these things away and not really face up to what they really say about us. So um, it does feel a very strange thing to say that when I'm carrying out the recycling, I'm demonstrating that I I, uh, I think I ought to be God because um, it's only recycling. Um, and it does feel a very extreme thing to say what James was saying that you know if I if I if I have snapped at a child, um, one of my kids perhaps um, there is something of the murderer in me. Uh, we don't like that language, and one of the reasons is because it feels so extreme. But the other is well, if, if I were to admit that, where would I go? Because one of the ways that you you uh, you cope is um, we try trying to tell tell each other that we're okay um, that we're not that bad and then when we get together we try and give the impression that we're okay, we're not that bad and church easily becomes a place of um, uh, people who aren't sinners, people who are basically not that bad but actually church is the place of people who are that bad and who do behave in these kinds of ways um, I do want from other people what God has not given me. Um, uh, I, I do live as though the burden is on me to solve the problems of life. Um, I, I have put myself in the place of savior of the world. Um, I, I, I do mix up my agenda, and I expect with God's agenda, and I expect everybody to fit in. With me, And it feels the most natural thing in the world to expect everybody to do what I want. You know, the, the key in the door, it opens, this is my house, my world. No, it isn't. And to acknowledge how serious those things are is a scary thing to do. So how extraordinary, if, if these things are fresh in our minds, how extraordinary it is to come to Scripture and to Colossians, for example. What, why don't you turn with me to Colossians? And we're going to come to Colossians 3, as it suggests in the booklet, in a moment. We're going to just start for a moment in Colossians 1. Um, It's a long sentence. Uh, Colossians 1. The sentence starts, I think, at verse 9. But I'm going to interrupt it and just start at verse 12. Colossians 1 verse 12. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. We if we look seriously at what's going on in our hearts we can't but feel disqualified we can't but feel that we're not living like Christians ought to live we aren't living like people ought to live let alone like Christian people ought to live and we have to come back to the Bible and see that yes of course we've disqualified ourselves but he has qualified us he has rescued us darkness feels like it's still coming out of us but he's rescued us from that dominion and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves turn over with me to chapter three now the the verses referenced in the booklet chapter three verses one to four since then you have been raised with christ set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do you see there in verse one? Set your hearts on things above. Verse two, set your minds on things above. Now I don't know how much time and effort we, we actually spend doing that, setting our hearts and setting our minds on things above. I think if we if we try to think about what is that what does that mean? Uh, how can I get excited about verses 1 to 4 of chapter 3? It's, it's, it's hard to do. And it's not hard to think about all the exciting things that might be here for me in this life. You know, I can get cr- pretty excited about some things that might happen. Um, um, for example, uh, I was chatting to Richard, and I've already alluded to this, Richard, the helicopter pilot, and um, I was sharing his sense of excitement of how exciting it would be to fly a plane. I just think that would be amazing, or fly a helicopter. Um, and I, I, and I think about that experience of what it would be to, to be in command of this extraordinary machine and to be able to make it do what I want. I think that's phenomenal. Um, maybe there's maybe this something else that you could set your heart on, something that, that it's easy to imagine finding incredibly exciting and engrossing. And maybe it could happen next week, or next month, or next year. Maybe, maybe it, it, there's some sort of hope that things, um, wonderful things, could could happen. And it's and it's easy to think yourself into those situations. You know, your your team winning is an elating feeling if you're a serious fan. It's easy to think what that feels like, or um, uh, getting married, or. Something like that, you know, whether or not those things happen, it's easy to be excited about them. We, we know what that feels like. We can easily think ourselves about it. But what Paul is saying here is that there is, there is an experience coming which is immeasurably more exciting than anything we can possibly imagine. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory not when Christ who is your life appears then he's going to reveal all of your shame when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory now just think for one tiny moment about what that what that might be like what might it be like when the thing for which God has been Tuning the universe since even before he created it, when that finally comes to pass. What will it be like when all the people in whose lives he's been active across all of space and time are united around the throne of Jesus and enjoying him and singing his praise? What might that be like? That be better than winning the league. What might it be like when finally... Um, in all of God's people, those sinful tendencies, the things that are going wrong all over the place, the, the, the instinct that we have to replace God in whatever ways, the instinct we have to push him away to the edge of our lives and get on with something else, when that's all disappeared and finally we, we realize in the depth of our hearts what we were created for, that we really are most happy in the worship of this brilliant, beautiful God. What might that be like? But it's hard to be as excited about those things, which is why Paul says, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. It's hard to do. We have to make ourselves do it. And uh, one way of doing it is to open the Bible regularly and read what it says and think about it. Uh, Another way to do it is to uh, come to church and listen to what you said and uh, try and respond to it. Another way is to sing. And we're going to sing at the end of this session and uh, Singing is one of the ways that God's given us to, to, to put a little bit of our heart on things above and to give a little bit of our minds to things above, not on earthly things. So we want to keep growing in ourselves the habit when we're singing of, of thinking about the words because the words and the music in great songs, they go together and they, they lift us and they help us do what is so hard which is to get our minds out of all these wonderful worldly excitements and worldly good things that God does bless us with and look at something purer and more wonderful and extraordinary. And the thing is, we know that um, there's so much rubbish going on, we don't deserve any of it. But on the cross, Jesus Christ bore all of this. Not just those sort of heroically tragic and big sins that easily come to mind when we put ourselves in the category of sinner. But all the things yesterday and today and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, all the little ways we niggle at work, all the little things at home, all the big things that we fantasize about and dream about, all of those things, we can, we can face them honestly And acknowledge what we're like, because all of those things Jesus Christ took on the cross and bore the punishment for them, so that you and I don't have to. He qualified us, because we can't qualify ourselves. He raised us up with him, because we couldn't raise ourselves. And has secured for us, on the basis of his own perfection, a future we could never get for ourselves. Now, um, that promise, that reality, opens up a whole new way to be, a whole way that, that is not normal for human beings uh, to do. And it's, um, there, there, there are two words that summarize this idea, and then the words repentance and faith. And um, they're words you can only really understand if you have some idea of a God who is gracious. Uh, because um, how could you possibly think about turning towards God if he wasn't gracious? You'd either have to have a very small God um, or you'd know that you were about to be destroyed. Um, how could you ever have faith um, that it would be okay to turn up before a holy God um, if you didn't know him well enough? Um, you know that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? You know that one? Yeah. Extraordinary hymn written after people... Written by a man who had lost his wife and uh, lost his children at sea and heard in a telegram that only his wife survived. And he writes this extraordinary song about it as well. Um, And in the last verse, he talks about how one day um, uh, the trump will resound and the Lord will appear. Even so, it is well with my soul. How could it possibly be that the Lord could come back to his world? as the king of all the universe, and the judge of all people, and it would be well with my soul. Why would I not be in great trouble when the Lord who's watched me do this every day of my life returns? Because of the cross. Because of what that God is like. And one of the most beautiful places I know to discover again what that God is like is in the... Amazing story, the prodigal son. And we're going to look there now. So turn to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read this extraordinary parable. It's a funny thing, isn't it, reading a parable? You know, we, we almost read the story like it's a true story. <laughs> like there were, there were, in fact, once two sons um, and a father. But actually, there weren't um, two sons and a father. Um, there was a Jesus who made up this story I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. The son said to him, So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father's killed the and calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I've been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders. "'Yet you never gave me even a young goat "'so I could celebrate with my friends. "'But when this son of yours "'who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, "'you kill the fattened calf for him.' "'My son the father said, "'You are always with me, "'and everything I have is yours. "'But we had to celebrate and be glad.' because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There are so many things in that extraordinary um, parable that Jesus invented to tell us what he wanted us to know about those things. And um, um, the first thing I wanted or out of it, among all the things we could, is, is really what it means to come to your senses, to... Turn around. Do you see how um, at some point the son is woken up to how dire his situation is and he realises where he is. He's, he's in a pigsty eating pig food. And somehow it dawns on him, This. hang on a minute, I, th- I thought this was going to be the great life. I thought this was the way to go. I thought with me in charge making my choices, doing my thing, I thought this was going to be paradise. And somehow I've ended up here. And that wakes him up something wakes him up and he realizes that the only place he might go that could be better where he is now is back to his father he doesn't think he's got grounds to think that he can be a son again but at least he could be a servant and so he heads off in that direction with his words all worked out and um, tries to see what possibilities there might be so he goes back He's turning away from his old self and coming back to the Father. He's going to ask, he's going to confess what he's done. I've sinned against heaven and against you. And he's going to ask to be forgiven and allowed back in the household. That's the essence of repentance. If we can see what's going on in our heart in a fresh way that alive and kicking within us in the stuff we're living out in the ordinary days of our lives, there is um, some, still something uh, really dark and ugly. And if God is kind enough, whenever he is kind enough, to bring us to our senses so we see what's really there, we can follow the example of this younger brother. We can wake up and go around and, Ask our Father for forgiveness. Come back and tell him what we can see is wrong. Come back and tell him how we've sinned against him. What have we done? Come back and tell him the ugliness that we've seen in our heart. Come back and tell him the stupidity of thinking that uh, I could expect the laws of nature to be suspended, that I could expect to get my own way, that I could expect to be treated as if I was the most important person on a delayed train. Tell him how ugly we see that is and how sorry we are that we behave like that in his universe and ask if he might forgive us and have us back. And that's the essence of repentance, turning round, saying sorry. And when the Bible talks about what's the essence of the way to respond to God, it, it, it uses that word repentance a lot because we need to turn around a lot. It's a common thing. It's a it's a daily part actually of the Christian life to keep coming back when we see it. But there's another beautiful word that goes alongside it, and we're going to need both. Repentance, the ability to see really what's going on and to turn from it, to turn to. But but the flip side of it is, if I do that, how will God respond? If I come back and say, Lord, I've, I've seen something really ugly in my heart and I hardly know if I can really talk to you about it because uh, I think I've been behaving as if I was God in my own world. I think I've been behaving um, as, if, uh, as, if, as if I should be the Lord and others should serve me. How will God respond? This story tells you. While he was still a long way off. His father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. That, that's the, Jesus made up that phrase. He put it in the, in the story so that you would know how the father thinks when you come back. He's filled with compassion for you. He's not saying, oh, for goodness sake, thank goodness you finally saw what was going on. No, he's filled with compassion. His heart goes out towards us. And he runs to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, Jesus didn't have to put any of those phrases in. He could have said his father had him back. His father runs to him, throws his arms around, him, and kissed him. Do you see what Jesus is trying to say? This is what God is like when we come back. This is how he treats us. This is how he'll treat me. This is how he'll treat you. And the son is on shore. Can, is it... I, this is great, but I, I wanted to say, I, could I be a servant? And the father has to surprise him again with his overwhelming grace, his extravagant grace. The best robe and a ring on his finger and uh, sandals on his feet and, and the roast beef, three R's, staggering love, robe, ring, fattened calf. This is party time. This is This is... This is what I've longed for. This is this is. My, this, I'm excited. I want to celebrate. I'm your home, and it's so much better than he could have imagined. He'd let himself dare to think he might have been allowed in the back and given a meaningful job somewhere. Do you ever know, feel like that? If I really came back, if I was serious about coming back to the Lord, um, I suppose I might squeak in. I might I might creep in the back door of heaven. And not be thrown out. Because there's probably some menial job that needs doing somewhere. And the Lord comes out to get us. And he takes us by the hand. And he brings us in to the front and says, it is great that you're here. I've been longing to welcome you back. You are so welcome. I love you. And all that I have, I share with you. That's the essence of faith. Is to believe in our Father's love and forgiveness. To accept that Jesus told this story to try and persuade us this is what the Father is like, and to accept his loving embrace when we come back to him in repentance. Now, you don't know that embrace if you don't repent. If we still live out in the pigsty and are quite pleased with ourselves out there, we'll never know that embrace. So we do need to repent. We need to come back. We need to say, "Lord, I've 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 found this in my heart, and uh, I probably can't even see it like you can see it. But what I can see of it I, I, is is really ugly, and I'm really sorry, and I and I need to be forgiven for that way I've just treated someone else, the way I've just treated you, the way I've behaved like the Lord." So we do need to repent, but as we do, we need God's grace also to hold on to the reality that he, he will have us back with love, with his embrace, every single time. That's what he'll do. And it's important that we... What happens, what happens you see, when we're, when we're living life in a bad way and we don't recognise it comes from my heart is that we just try and make ourselves better, we just try and improve, but it doesn't work because it really is coming from our heart. Then when we know it's in our heart... What do you do with a heart that's rotten? It's beyond our ability to fix, isn't it? It's very simple. You repent and you believe. You come back to the Lord in sorrow and brokenness and and you find, again, the same Lord who'll put his arms around you and forgive you, and have you back, and be so pleased to see you. You get a very similar idea in in 1 John. You don't need to turn it up, but I'll just read it to you. It's from 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. See what great love the Father has lavished on us? Not because he didn't know what was going on. He knew it long before we did. But because he loves us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us? that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So we come back to God as his children and we experience his love again in surprising and beautiful and humbling ways. And it's really important to be convinced of both of those things because if we're not convinced that the way to respond is to repent, to turn and that God will have us back when we do, then something will stop us doing it. And if we don't come back to him, um, then we're only left with one of, two, one of two possibilities. One is that we live in denial about what's really going on inside us because we can't cope with the reality, and the other is that we're crushed under the weight of it. There's only one safe way from it. Uh, well, only is one safe thing to do with it, and that's exactly what the Bible says to do, to repent, to turn around, and to believe and come to God for forgiveness. And he does, over and over and over again. So what I'd like us to do now is to um, get back into our our little discussions. And in the morning sessions, we were thinking about the, the heat, what makes things hard... And then we were thinking about what are some of the thorns, what are some of the things we're doing, the ways we're responding. And then we were thinking about those questions, those 20 questions we were thinking about, what does that help me think might be going on under the surface? And we put some of those up there on that, on that list. What I wanted to try and do now um, and, um, is, is to try and think together, All right. one of those things we were talking about, what might repentance and faith look like for that, for that situation, for that for that thing going on in our hearts. Um, what would it look like? And, and you could, could try and talk about the idea, or you could try and even talk about what... what You know, the, the son in the story Jesus tells us, he, he, he thinks about, what, what would I say? What, what will I say when I come back? How will I put it? That might be a really good thing to think. What What would my prayer be? If I can see this in my heart, how might I talk to God about it? How might I put this repentance into words? And then what would faith look like? If I'm going to pray that, what is God going to do? How's he going to hear it? How's he going to reply? And then what might I say to acknowledge his response? What might it be like to have his arms put around me? What what, what words might I say? So talk together about what it might look like to repent and believe of the issue that you've been thinking about in your heart. And maybe try and talk together, or if you prefer to do it on your own... Um, Write, write some words that you might use, words of repentance, words of faith. Because, you know, the big difference between this thing, just where it's all happening above the line, where we're just trying to do differently, um, is that this has got nothing to do with my relationship with God. It's all about how good I might be in my own strength. But my relationship with God grows down here when I start being straightforward and honest about what is going on in my heart. Um, and the words that I'm going to use in relationship with God, that, that's the essence of the growth of the Christian life. Repentance, repentance, repentance every day, and faith, faith, faith every day. So try and put that into, into words. Um, talk about it, encourage each other, um, help each other find words. And you might like to write them down, a, a, a prayer that you might use, a very simple prayer for the thing you were thinking about in your own life and to the extent you've yet understood what's going on in your heart what might it look like to come back to the Lord with that repentance and faith and again if you get stuck put a hand up I'll try and come and help (laughs) again I'm sorry to interrupt Um, anyone like to um, feedback what you're seeing what you're thinking what you're enjoying what you're puzzled by have you question? you want to ask any any thoughts out there give give me a sense of how the discussion on your table was was going again don't don't need the specifics of what you were talking about but how did that how did that feel what are you noticing what are you thinking what are you enjoying what are you puzzled by Thank you for sharing that. And, and there's all the difference in the world, isn't there, between a conversation between two people who both agree that they're a bit of a mess. And it's nice to find someone else is a mess too. So it's, you know, we have that kind of, that kind of unity. And a conversation in which, in that kind of unity, we know we have an amazing kind of a father together who meets us where we are and takes us on and says, yes, yeah, to people like you that I give you the kingdom. And that's a different kind of special Christian unity, and it is a joy. Do other people have that experience, just chatting on tables, or to remind you of that kind of feel in church? That this is this is who we are, and it's it's lovely. Thank you. Any other bits of feedback or puzzlement? Question? Yeah. We, we were saying how these questions are sort of ongoing. Yes. Um, so this is a process which which just goes on and on and on, and. Um, You know, our hearts, was it Shrek who said, ogres are like onions? (laughs) And we are like ogres. (laughs) Um, We have those layers too. And, you know, at this moment, we understand something of who we are and something of our sin. And it may be that some of us are thinking, yeah, I've never really thought myself that way before. I was blind to this. And, And that part of what sin does to us is it blinds us. We don't see our own sin. And God has his way. Um, especially in the relationships of a church, of um, gently taking off another layer uh, when we're ready for it. And he might use a conversation with somebody else. He might use a a, a lemonade bottle. He might use um, all kinds of things that he's very brilliant at using (laughs) just to take another layer off, and that gives us another opportunity. And, you know, that would be a scary thing, wouldn't it, if all he was doing was showing us our sin. But he's showing us our sin in order to show us his grace more. And that becomes a wonderful thing. Um, and, and you know, the more we do this, the more we walk in the real joy of the Christian life. We don't have to pretend to him or to other people. We really are a community of sinners, um, dearly loved, and we're growing together. And somehow, day by day, bit by bit, little by little, he is turning each of us a little bit more into the image of his son. Yeah, thank you. Any other questions, observations, comments? Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful picture. Um, And it works on kind of different timescales, doesn't it? There are are some times when that sort of happens over a period of some weeks. And there are some times when it happens over about three or four seconds. Because instead of burying under the carpet, you say, Lord, this is what I'm like. You forgive me. And that's all it takes. But there's that fresh little sweet experience of grace. When when this was happening with the lemonade bottle, um, I unusually for me, the Lord in his kindness he woke me up to see the absurdity of what I was doing and and 20 seconds later I was saying dear Lord God thank you for finding an amazing way to remind me that you're the God who does everything well and I'm not you're the God who wherever you put something it stays and I'm not and you're the God who is the great one and I'm not and you've given me an opportunity to worship you because you're so much better and bigger than me and um, and even though I so angry about something so stupid. I'm a bit like Jonah at the end of Jonah, you know, I'm angry about a vine that died because of how it affected me. Um, you still love me. And that, that moment of anger inside the space of probably even uh, 10 or 15 seconds because of the way the spirit was going at that moment so it was turned into a moment of worship. And isn't that amazing grace? It's just extraordinary. And now, have I always been like that every time I take the, out the recycling? No. The, the episode I'm telling you about was a number of years ago. But I found myself this week opening the door where our recycling now is in our house, and the recycling bins are far too small, so it then gets piled up, squashed in the side, and the task now is to try and somehow compress all this recycling into these two little bins so you can make it safely out to the bit, so stuff still falls off the top. But, you know, I found myself thinking actually, um, I can actually grow to like to take out the recycling because for me, it's a little moment of worship where I get to say, thank you that you're God and I'm not. Um, well, I do that all the time? No, but some of the time is amazing isn't it it is I have one overriding question have you kept that lemonade box no I haven't (laughs) no it got recycled gloriously by Mercury council yeah (laughs) Um, any, any other observations questions thoughts yeah thank you that's a really 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 interesting comment because and what you've just said is that everybody, everybody lives here, don't we? We this this is this is universal human experience. Um, and um, you know, when when people have this kind of issue or the heat is very great, you know, they they're used to finding help somewhere. You know, they'll talk to friends about it, or they'll go and see a GP. They'll they'll um, they might um, go for some counselling or, or, or something. Um, and, you know, the, the extraordinary grace that we're given um, is, is to know that the problem really is in our hearts, and the Lord has undertaken that. And he's undertaken because um, he bears um, the punishment for our sin in the cross because of his amazing love for us. And he's undertaken because that same Jesus Christ is with us by his Spirit to recreate his own beauty in our own hearts so that good fruit becomes possible when I think about the fruit tomorrow in ways that it, it wasn't possible before. Now that, this stuff here, that is the good news. This is the gospel. And the thing is that um, when we're trying to share the gospel with people, and um, they don't know much about this anymore and they're not so sure about that necessarily, but... Um, they may not believe in the existence of God, but they definitely know this because they live in this all the time. And um, it means that any conversation you have about anything that's significant in anybody's life, especially things they find hard, you're very, very close to gospel territory. You're very, very close to the opportunity to share, well, yeah, I I know what you mean. Um, it is really hard being a parent when your teenagers really only want to play computer games and they've got their headphones on and you're shouting and you can't get through. Um, I want to have a relationship with my son and he wants to have a relationship with the screen. And um, uh, it's hard to be patient. Uh, I know what that's like. And actually one of the reasons why I'm um, so impatient is because I I naturally default to the assumption that um, uh, I should get what I want. And actually, I've discovered that that's a, that's a real problem between me and God, that I should get what I want. And uh, it's a pretty, pretty scary thing to acknowledge, except that he's also told me that he loves me very, very much. Um, and uh, as I've thought more about that, I've, I've found when I talk to my son, I can sit there quietly and wait until he's come to the end of a round um, and then talk to him, rather than demanding that he, he stops and, and serves me in that moment. I can wait for a minute or two and serve him. And I, I found that really hard, but God has helped me a little bit. Um, now, you wouldn't you wouldn't monologue like that, but I'm just trying to say your conversation about something normal um, relates to something very wonderful or can do. And you'd all be much better at that than me. Um, and you've all got friends with different issues. But you're right. It does open up new ways of connecting with the ordinary lives of, of ourselves and and everybody. Yeah, thank you for that. Let me, um, let me set us back then to answer the question that I printed a little bit higher up in the sheet. Here is Colossians 3, 1 to 4. And I'm going to ask you, what do you find exciting about this? Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Then you also will appear with him in glory. I'd like you to think about that for for a few minutes, and then we've had a few minutes doing that. I think we might stand and sing. We're being led by the Veronica and, and the band, but I'll leave I'll leave you thinking about that for a few minutes. What excites you about those verses?